welcome into the Arcub Sports Business Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can see that I'm wearing a t-shirt under a blazer. And the reason I'm doing that is because today we're going to talk about cryptocurrencies. So Russell Okung, a offensive tackle for the Carolina Panthers, made headlines this week when it came out that he was going to take half his salary in Bitcoin. And since then, we've kind of seen that potentially, you know, the Carolina Panthers are not going to pay half his salary in Bitcoin, but he intends to purchase Bitcoin with a portion of his salary, uh, which, of course, anyone can do, take dollars, buy Bitcoin. It's very easy to do now. So what I wanted to do, because it looks like, you know, here it is bled into sports and there's many other applications for it, but just Bitcoin itself is kind of bled into sports and potentially will bleed into more things in the future. I thought I would take the opportunity here in this episode to kind of do a quick hitter, basic overall look at what Bitcoin is, what the blockchain is, what that kind of stuff is, and give a little bit of an economic justification or what, what kind of an economic argument is for Bitcoin that's made it so intriguing to so many people. So this is going to be basic and kind of overarching. If you have a better background in Bitcoin or cryptography or economics and you want to comment below uh, feel feel free to do so to kind of get that conversation going more. This is going to be more for kind of someone that that doesn't know much about it. It's kind of just a, a a quick a quick look at it. So, and again, I will I will post some things below, some books, some other podcasts, some papers that will give a better understanding if you want to research more. But this is going to hopefully be kind of packaged in a way that is accessible, usable, and gets sort of 80% of the way there in terms of the basics. So we're going to focus on Bitcoin in this because that's what Russell Okun was wanting to be paid in. And as far as cryptocurrencies go, it has some big differences uh, as it relates to other cryptocurrencies. So a little basic history about Bitcoin, of course, there's the idea that that no one knows who started it. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto is the one who started it, but we don't know who that is. Now, people have claimed that they are him, etc. Um, you know, the founder of the Ethereum blockchain has his own thoughts of who it could be. Uh, and that's probably consensus, but we, we don't know. And that, that provides some benefit. Now, again, the Bitcoin is a type of cryptocurrency. So, these cryptocurrencies exist sort of because of and on blockchains. Bitcoin exists on its own blockchain. Ethereum exists on the Ethereum blockchain. Those are the two main sort of blockchains. Now, of course, every bank has a blockchain. There's many different blockchains that are out there. The Bitcoin blockchain is where Bitcoin sits and works and where the calculations, the verifying of transactions are paid out in Bitcoin. We'll get in a little bit more into that in a second. And then the Ethereum blockchain is more robust. That's where people you hear about writing smart contracts and things like that on that Ethereum blockchain. The Ethereum blockchain has Ethereum cryptocurrency on it. Okay, so the basics of it, and again, as far as actual blockchain, in-depth look, crypt, you know, cryptography, this is not the place to get it. I, I can't help you there. Um, but I'll, I'll put some links below that have a little more little more um, information there. And if you really are mathematically inclined or you're into cryptography or whatever, you probably don't need those links and you probably already know what's going on, but uh, I'll put them down there anyway. The basics of it though, 
are that the blockchain transactions on the blockchain so that blockchain is basically a uh, a database that's formed in these blocks that are sort of chronological in order uh, the the next block uh, or the current block references the previous block etc cetera, etc cetera. and the fact that the current block references the previous block allows you to know okay what's going on in this situation what transaction occurred did someone give bitcoin to somebody or take bitcoin to, from someone were they able to give that bitcoin did they have it before etc and in verifying those transactions, there's a lot of computation and calculation that has to occur. And as a reward for verifying those transactions, the people verifying those transactions or the computers verifying those transactions will get paid in Bitcoin. They get paid some of this cryptocurrency in sort of verifying and, and maintaining this ecosystem that they're in. And the calculations are not free. They're very hard to do the way that they're set up. And again, if you're into cryptography, you can go look that up, how they're set up. But these calculations that have to be done take a lot of computing power. And the payout, what you get paid in Bitcoin, goes down every every few years. It gets cut in half. So when Bitcoin started, you might verify a transaction, you might get five Bitcoin. Now, now when you verify a transaction, you might get one five thousandth of a Bitcoin, that kind of thing. Now, the transactions, verifying these transactions takes a lot of computing power. There's specific computers, literally the way the actual computer board is designed, is designed to verify Bitcoin transactions. These computers are all racked up. They, they rack them up and bolt them in and Iceland and things like that to run as efficiently as possible to mine these bitcoins which is basically that's what you hear about when they're doing that they're doing they're verifying these transactions they're doing this cryptography work and they get paid in bitcoin so you're effectively going and mining the bitcoin now one of the key factors and again we're going to kind of set ethereum off to the side and that whole ecosystem or that whole blockchain and smart contracts and that's something we'll probably get into later but in this in this episode we're just going to focus on bitcoin and focus on the bitcoin blockchain no other blockchains you know jp morgan has a blockchain facebook has a blockchain we're not looking at any of those just bitcoin now bitcoin is the number of bitcoins is set it has an ultimate top amount of bitcoins that will exist so the most bitcoins that can ever exist is 21 million that's the max uh, right now i think we are at about 18 million that 18 million that exist leaving you know whatever, give or take 2.4 million left to mine. But again, the amount of computing power is exponentially grown to mine those Bitcoins that are left remaining. So when these Bitcoins are mined, it's a literal, from an economic perspective, it's literally like mining. So when you have gold, for instance, you mine gold, you go, you go, you get big, heavy caterpillar machinery, you run it 24 seven, you go into Alaska or wherever you go into out west of the United States, you go to Africa, wherever, and you mine gold. You know, you you might mine diamonds in, in Alaska or, or something like that. But you you mine and there's a cost to mining, there's cap huge capital expenses to expenditures to to mine huge I mean, you know, caterpillar machinery and all this kind of stuff. It's the same with Bitcoin. You you have to buy all of these computers, you have to run all of these computers, you have to build these these mining facilities in inside 
mountains and things like that to have as efficient electrical costs as you can have to mine these bitcoins, etc. Now, when you mine gold, there's the basics of sort of like one of the pillars of why gold has value is the stock to flow ratio. So I believe it's something like every year, 4% of you know the gold, say the gold uh, supply goes up by 4% every year. And there's this cost to mine that gold. And because of that, there's gold that exists and there's gold that comes out of the ground and that creates the balance. It's, it's called the stock to flow ratio. And you can look at other commodities and that sort of creates the value around gold. Now, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency that has been set up to have characteristics in stock to flow similar to gold, sort of initially not as valuable as gold and then eventually passing gold. That's sort of the idea, the stock to flow ratio, that there's a certain number of Bitcoins that exist and a certain number of Bitcoins that are added to the chain as it goes. So there's constantly these transactions occurring. The number of Bitcoins in existence changes, you know, every, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. There's a small amount, you know, added each time. Now, the basic sort of fundamental idea behind Bitcoin's value and and what makes it very intriguing. And again, if you're worried about the security or getting Bitcoin stolen or that kind of thing, which obviously was a massive issue at the beginning. But of course, that's sort of, it's sort of a massive issue with any new thing. I mean, PayPal, they had $20 million a day in theft from you know Russian mobsters. You know, when you read Peter Thiel's book, he talks about that. That happens in these new technologies. And you know, with the Bitcoin wallets, you've got your you know, phraseology, passcode, I guess, is these 12 to 14 unrelated words. If you get those, you get into the wallet, you can take the wallet, it's hard to determine. But now, of course, via the Cash app, you can buy Bitcoin and that kind of stuff. So it's becoming the infrastructure, the exchanges, the wallets are becoming more secure and more available and that kind of thing to to purchase the Bitcoin. So again, the stock to flow ratio is is by design. And I hope I'm being clear, you know, as you mine your reward for mining, it, it gets cut every, you know, in these intervals all the way down until, okay, now you've just got this very small amount of Bitcoin that you get for doing this work. And and then it fades off to almost no reward. Now, the idea or why I think many people are intrigued by Bitcoin is it's not necessarily a fantastic currency. I mean, the idea that, and obviously, you know, the founder of Ethereum has argued this, but the idea that a currency is going to that you don't want any currency printed or you don't want any currency growth is is not exactly right you know so people don't like the federal reserve and they say oh you know bitcoin's not regulated by any government you can't just print this money and devalue the dollar and that kind of thing so there's value there in bitcoin which is you know potentially true but again having you know we don't want to use gold i mean gold not having the ability to print money is not necessarily always the best thing. And so there's sort of an argument and it's like, well, why use Bitcoin? You could just gold, use gold, et cetera, et cetera. But the difference is that, of course, Bitcoin now, and as we get more and more infrastructure surrounding it, can be sent effectively for free immediately between parties, whereas gold can't. Bitcoin's very easy and cheap to store, whereas gold is not. So that's kind of the whole thing. It's look, you've got gold, you've got something like gold, 
which is a $4 trillion market, which of course, Bitcoin is not at yet. And you, you know, if there's 18 million Bitcoins, you know, and Bitcoin's trading at $30,000. So Bitcoin right now is at, you know, sort of a $540 billion market cap, something like that, which is new. I mean, a week ago it was $400 billion or $300 billion. But, it's, you know, it's a $540 billion market cap. Gold is $4 trillion, So people think, hey, there's a there's sort of a, a runway to multiply this thing by eight, basically, and get Bitcoin to 150000 a coin or whatever. Um, which is which is true and, and potentially a good way to think about it. But additionally, there's you know there's this ability to transfer between back and forth, so it can act as a currency, but also with the stock to flow set up, it can act as an investment. There's a couple interesting key points here. Um, so you have all these comparisons of the tulip market and that kind of thing and, and Warren Buffett and those kinds of people coming out really against Bitcoin in the first rise up to 18,000, which is, um, there's something there, certainly, you know, with, with that idea of the tulip. But what happened and what we saw is that there was, at least there was some resiliency with Bitcoin. So it crashed from the 18,000 to six, but then has risen back up now over a period of several years to, to 30,000. And so, there's some resiliency that you don't see in other markets. Now, again, it's still kind of a commodity. It doesn't produce any earnings on its own. It's not a company stock, etc. So there's some there's some truth to that. There's some some real risk in everyone fleeing away from it, and then the value goes down, and it doesn't produce any money. It's it's just depends what other people value it at. But there's many things like that. Now, second thing is that in the short term, like over the next maybe two to three years, it seems like more and more people are going to buy uh, Bitcoin. They're going to, there's, or more and more, maybe not more and more people, but more and more money is going to go into it. Because again, now this sort of risk of theft, this, this inability, you know, someone doesn't want to go up and set set up a, a Bitcoin wallet, they would rather just be able to buy it in the cash app or they would rather be able to just buy it in their, you know, Scott trade portfolio or whatever. I know they don't exist anymore, but you know, something like that. And once that can happen, once there's that ease of use, just like the internet in the early days, it was sort of like, what's the internet? You know, I'm going to give my information on the internet and then someone takes it. Well, that's what would happen. You put your information on the internet, someone would take it. Now, there's some level of cryptography, you know, and encryption within the internet usage. And we're able to at least create these encrypted lines and be able to do commerce online. Potentially same with Bitcoin, where once people can buy it and they can trade it and, and go back and forth with the Bitcoin, there's going to be more money going going into it. You'll see you're seeing it with companies that have excess cash that they're investing. They might they might have some in treasuries. They put a small amount in Bitcoin, you know, like an unregulated, you know, non-leveraged institution, you know, not necessarily a bank, not necessarily an insurance company, but, you know, other companies, they are starting to do that. And then, of course, people, you know, as you talk to people, you see more and more people putting money in. Now, of course, the effect, at least in the short term, as more money goes in is that the price is going to go up. Now, will it will it go up to 50 or 100,000 and then crash to zero? Who knows? But it is an interesting situation, and I think that little tells like somebody, uh, an NFL player, 
wanting to put $13 million of their salary into Bitcoin into a $540 billion market cap is going to affect the price and more potentially will follow, again, at least in the short term. And they can't print more. They're not going to make more Bitcoin. And that's kind of people's ideas that gold, they're not going to print more gold. But again, gold is extremely heavy, hard to store, etc. Hard to transfer between people. Bitcoin is similar to gold in the stock to flow ratio, easier to transfer. And that's kind of some basics. Now, again, I will put some links below. I'm going to put uh, a book that kind of runs through some of this. Uh, I'm going to put a a podcast uh, with Eric Weinstein and the founder of Ethereum, which I apologize. I just, I literally can't remember his name right now. Extremely great podcast. Very interesting. I'll put the actual nine page. It's very simple. The nine page white paper on Bitcoin. It was uh, sort of the impetus to Bitcoin. It was, it was explaining what, what it was. And so you'll have those links below. And again, we'll see what happens, but it's, Clearly, it's it's creeped into sports, and it's probably just the beginning in terms of seeing it, hearing about it, especially with the sports gambling and all of that kind of stuff. I think we'll most likely see more and more of this. But anyway, thanks for listening. Have a great day and a happy new year as we embark on 2021. We'll, we'll see how this year goes. Thank you. 